Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, Deuter. Podcast time. Podcast time. Am I starting? Uh, you may begin. All right. Is it going? <laughs> it is going. <laughs> <laughs> Should we start with that? Sure. Hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is uh, Deacon John and Joe. And Joe, yeah. And fancy. it's a uh, beautiful Thursday morning up here in the uh, Treehouse studio, mm-hmm. as we call it. We were just talking about Mumford. Only on the podcast we call it that. But. Uh, we were uh, just uh, talking about Mumford and Sons and uh, the band, the Irish sensation. Yeah, I, I'm loving Mumford and Sons, man. John, where did you hear about him from your sister? I was ordained a month ago, and it was a gift from my ordination from Seska. Seska, whose name is short for Francesca. But she uh, gave it to me, and I thought, man, I am like totally in. I, I got this new band. Nobody knows about it. The next day, I'm sitting in Starbucks, and what they, what do they play? Mumford and Sons. So. You know who also likes them a lot is uh, Deacon John Neal. Really? Yeah. You got to be careful, though, with that Irish melancholic music, because if you're in a state of desolation, it will totally make you way more desolate, because Irish, they're kind of just, all Irish music is just a little depressed, even yeah. when it's happy. It's true. <laughs> so they have this line where they say, in, in what is it, how does it go? Uh, in our bodies we will live, in our bodies we will die. Where you invest your love, you invest your, your life. life. So there you go. That's a um, kind of lame segue to... What we're going to talk about today, <laughs> okay, which is evolution and creation. <laughs> I think that completely follows, yeah, kind of, uh, because the word body has something to do with evolution. <laughs> the uh, topic today, Joe, is a massive one and it's an exciting one. And people are going to see this on the uh, iTunes or on the website, or whatever. They're going to say, Ooh, but uh, I'm just going to tell cool. them these guys are cool, they're really in how relevant, but uh, it's this is really not this is just like a sliver of it because we don't have the time as we talk about every week. Sister Esther's class starts here in a few minutes, and so I Sunday just don't we have the will time. be free from the constraints of but Sister I Esther rec- Mary's oppression. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're going to table anything that has to do with intelligent design slash purpose about uh, Big Bang. We're not dealing with that today. What we're dealing with is evolution as a theory and Genesis chapter one. Okay, so we've just narrowed our scope. Are you listening to me? I am listening. You're not. You're, you're prepping for your podcast next. <laughs> no, I'm, totally I'm watching you. Listening. Okay. I'm trying to do something else, but I am listening. Okay. Well, then I want you to repeat after me. Evolution, Evolution is the change in the inherited traits of a population of organisms through successive generations. If you're listening, just tell me what I just said. Uh, uh, evolution is popular organisms. There you, go, there you go. Okay. Evolution essentially is uh, change in inherent uh, traits in an organism that happens over successive generations. So over time, there's genetic mutation, as they call it, or genetic changes. So what there, there's development in, um, in organisms. There's development in, um, and this is the theory that Darwin proposed in the mid-19th century, which uh, here's an interesting line. Now, this is, uh, I'm just going to read this. This is from a very, very valuable source, but I think it gives us an understanding of what the culture thinks in terms of evolution is against creation and these two are opposed against you. This is from a, a really profound source known as Wikipedia. So, <laughs> but this is a guy who, and this he just it, he sums it up well. In the 19th century, particularly after the publication of On the Origin of Species in 1859, the idea that life has evolved was an active source of academic debate, okay, with philosophical implications. Nowadays, the fact that organisms evolve is uncontested in scientific literature. So this is uncontested in scientific literature, and... However, evolution remains only contested by some theists, okay? Hmm. 
these religious people have their what they call creation myths, and uh, they just are denying what's scientifically right. a fact. This yeah, is the polarization. What essentially, what they're saying. Okay, not that simple. Thank you for that's kind of our cultural place. That's where things are, uh, and that's where people kind of think. And a lot of times, Catholics are just embarrassed. We're just like, oh, I don't want to talk about that issue. I don't want to talk about that. So the purpose of this podcast is to give you a little ammunition. There you go. It's not that simple, and it's actually really kind of beautiful because if Jesus Christ is the truth and he reveals himself, it's not going to be contrary to scientific truths, natural truths. Supernatural truths will not contradict natural truths. But sometimes scientific developments will change the way that we interpret God's self-disclosure in the Bible, in Revelation. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, we talked about this last week. Exactly. We're doing the scientific theme. Yeah, this is... Let's Let's jump into the text. Well, first off, one more word about evolution before we begin. There's two kinds of evolution. There's microevolution and macroevolution. Microevolution means that there's genetic mutation, that there's change that happens within a species. Right. Macroevolution means that species are developing from species. Mm-hmm. I got Huge. you. So micro is like a person, or you know, an animal might develop like a different kind of fur, but macro would be like you know an elephant developed from a mouse. Or exactly. Something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. My, my example of micro would have been Joe Doman grows a third arm, and then, you know, everybody, all of Joe Doman's... Or wings, you or know, wings. if we wanted to have something cooler. <laughs> Very possible. Very possible. You have enough gifts, by the way. You don't need wings. The, uh, um, but the, there's a huge difference there, and, and microevolution has been <clears throat> shown to be, and has been verified as a, as a scientific theory. Hmm. Macroevolution, though, has more philosophical implications, and um, it's not proven there's not the sense of there's not the certainty that we have we haven't shown that you know this species comes from this species in the way that we've shown that um there are certain developments and and mutations that happen within a species are you talking um when you talk about the philosophical implications are you speaking more about humans evolving from other species or are you talking more about just in general any species evolving from other species any species involving any species and really this this question the philosophical what's the philosophical in this the origin of life Bam. That's the fundamental thing. What does the natural processes um, of evolution say about the origin of life? But it's a jump to say, to make a claim about the origin of life. And right, that's where yeah. we draw the line. Mm. Say, okay, we're not here. Catholic stuff you should know. We're not here to talk about evolution. We're not here to say, this is true, this is true, this is not true scientifically. We don't know that. We're not qualified for that. What we are qualified to say is that evolution, if whether it's just micro or macro, Let's say it's macro. Let's say it's like all out, and science eventually kind of shows this much more clearly. It's still consonant with Genesis chapter 1. Really? Let me show you. Let's do it, man. This is cool. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so in the beginning, God created. First, this is a very important word, created. If you read closely Genesis chapter 1, there's only three times when the word created is actually said. Because we think creation story, God created this, God created this, blah, 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 animals, birds, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Only three times does he create. Really? In verse 1, in verse 21, and in verse 27. Now, this is what's interesting. You ready for this? The Hebrew word for create is very specific. It's barach. 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 And it's very specific. It means creation ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. Hmm. Okay? It's not like... I create, um, you know, I got Play-Doh and I created a house out of Play-Doh. No, I fashioned it. And it uses the word fashion a lot of times, facere in the Latin, 
Um, and there's a different Hebrew word. Um, asha is, is, is the different one. But anyways, when it says created in Genesis chapter 1, it means created out of nothing. Now, why three times? Yeah, what are this the three times? This is what's sweet. The three times are this. Out of nothing. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God creates matter. He creates anything. Right? Nothing existed before, and he creates something. So from out of nothing into something. That's the first creation. Second creation, verse 21. God created, and he starts talking about the animals. But specific, it's the move from non-life to life. Hmm. The writer of Genesis says created. Barach. Okay, so created. I mean, that the implication that has is that when he uses the barach, it's meaning like he's not just making something from something that's pre-existing. He's not. He's doing like an, he's intervening in a new way. Exactly. This is a specific moment of unique creation out of nothing. It's not him fashioning it. So you have barach. He creates something out of nothing. Barach. He creates life out of non-life. And then lastly, barach. Verse twenty-seven. Humanity. Really. Spiritual soul created, which is Catholic teaching. It is Catholic doctrine that man has a soul and that God created it uniquely, immediately, specifically. With every human soul, God creates the He creates the soul distinct, and obviously it's it's bound up with its nature. But those are the three places that says Barak. It says creation. The other points, okay, so well, what about the stars? What about all this stuff? What about the animals? What about okay, that's all fashion god fashions this so he creates bam and then he fashions and fashions and fashions for a couple more days and then bam creates life fashions and fashions and then bam creates a soul that is human awesome. now this is what's crazy 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 mike. <laughs> crazy mike zizda and who's the other one? Oh, alicia alicia. Cr- alicia this is crazy guess what the what are called the three evolutionary jumps macroevolution cannot figure out the three jumps yeah scientifically this is the mystery. This is the stunning mystery. They can't figure it out. Guess what they are? Science cannot show how did something come from nothing. Science cannot show how did life come from non-life. Science cannot show how does a human being have self-consciousness and free will and rationality, the faculties of a soul that mm. come out of animals. Those are what are called the three evolutionary jumps. And people who speak against um, macroevolution say these are the problems they have not been they, they cannot be shown scientifically to be proven and the scriptures have them all right in there <laughs> that is awesome isn't that interesting that's really cool and it's interesting too because whoever uh, wrote the you know Genesis 1 whether it was Moses or somebody else I'm sure they didn't know about you know the Cambrian explosion and, and all the things that science couldn't explain you exactly, know? exactly but this is the word of God you know this, this is, is divine ancient. authorship this is ancient but it's so beautiful and all we have to do is read it a little more closely. Now you can say to me, oh, okay, that's great. You got your little trick word with create and fashion. But all these, all you theists, all you creationists, you hold strong to the seven-day creation theory. And uh, evolution shows that this could have happened over thousands of years. Right? Right. Okay. Let's go back to the Hebrew. And we know God creates the world in seven days. Right? Yeah, how does that line up? The, the, the Hebrew word for day is yom. Y-O-M. Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Do you know what Yom means? Day. You just said that. Exactly. But it means specifically, <laughs> it can mean a 24-hour period, like a day as we understand it, or an extended period of time. Really? The Hebrew word Yom is much wider. So God creates the world in seven Yoms, seven periods, periods of time. If science shows us that that's clearly not 24-hour period, which is what it's essentially pointing to. Right then we say absolutely. The Hebrew text, the Hebrew scriptures, 
are saying this is God creates the world in seven yoms. And he specifically intervenes three times to create something out of nothing. But he could have used evolutionary processes, by the way, to get us to where we're at. That's wild. So, like, the fashioning of God can be God directing and ordering the mutations and the genetic mutations. And whether micro or macro evolution, God can be fashioning, God can be at work, his order in the created thing. Exactly. Without anything, any uh, supernatural intervention. Exactly. But the supernatural intervention is the barach. Yeah. The that, soul, that's the creation. life, something out of nothing. Exactly. That's really so cool. So, what I'm saying is, like, you know... Uh, and it's not as much Catholics, but it's uh, it's a lot of non-Catholic Christians who say, "No, we got to hold strong to the seven-day creation theory. We got to we got to trust the Bible." Well, to know the Bible means to kn- you got to know the Hebrew. Hmm. You got to really dig deeper into this. Uh, if you stay on a super- superficial level in the Bible and, and you try and engage science, you will not. You will polarize it, and you'll just have to reject science. On the other side, if you just take science and you have an agenda, and you're trying to destroy the Bible, you're never actually going to realize that you might actually have something to learn from this. Yeah. There's a beautiful complementary between theology, between science, the truths of God in nature, the truths of God in the supernatural world. You're giving me the sign. It's time to stop talking. No, no, no. No, it's all right. <laughs> oh, I, don't want, I don't want to interrupt you. That's all. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no, I, it's just really cool because we see the collision, I guess, um, of faith and reason in our culture again, you know, and the, we have these fundamentalist Christians, and we have the scientific community, um, not wanting to reconcile, but that's the beautiful thing about the thought of the Catholic Church, is that there is an, always a faith. Right. There's always a faith and a belief that faith and reason are reconcilable because they have the same source of truth, which is who is God, who is truth itself. You know, so there's there should be no fear when the scientific community says, "Well, this is what science is saying." We should say, "Okay, well, if this can be reconciled with our faith, and we should fight and believe that it can be, be open to it." You know, but if there's something that says completely contradicts the faith you know like mm-hmm. you know that's i don't know that life just evolved out of nothing or something like right. that um and with no miraculous or that miracles can't happen then we can say draw the line and say not only is this not in line with our faith that's not good science either because right. we right. have faith that science and faith are reconcilable exactly it's you're not like, doing science well if your beliefs are driving you your ideologies are driving you to make claims to say god does not exist god is not such and such creation you're making philosophical and theological mm-hmm. claims as a scientist and the beautiful thing about being catholic is that we hold both together faith and reason it's, it's always really the catholic et, et. who is that is somebody that's stupid one of your professors. i think it's regis martin i never had regis him. martin would say et, et. both and is always the catholic position faith protestants they hold the faith but they reject reason um, scientists, they hold the reason, but they reject faith. And you cannot come to the truths of God, both in nature and in supernature, unless you hold them together. That's all I got to say. That is great stuff, man. Yeah, exciting. That's huh? really interesting. Yeah. I love it. Now, it's really cool. It's interesting how in science, in the history of science, you this issue comes up again and again. Um, we see it in Galileo, where there's some sort of rub between faith and science. Right. And the apparent contradiction is based on a misinterpretation of either scientific data or revelation exactly. misinterpretation of what we have in, in revelation exactly. so it's we see that in Galileo we see that in this in this evolution debate you know yep. so yep. it's really cool stuff man awesome we got some emails okay um, this is actually what I was doing I was just trying to make sure I had a good email to give so I wasn't preparing for my okay. own are you reading a book over there <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm sure what you're doing is very important yeah, 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 but... the science but... alright um, speaking of science we got a science email here okay um this is from a certain Brandon. Brandon. Oh, uh, Brandon, he says, um, the, the title of the subject of this is Catholic Scientist, you say? 
Uh, this is in response to our uh, right. appeal for you know Catholic scientists to right. write us. He says, I happen to be one of those. <laughs> nice podcast. You mentioned how having a strong grasp of science deepens one under- one's understanding of one's faith. I have seen images of the Trinity pop up all over the place in my work with science, which would be expected if God made creation to reveal himself in humanity. Anyway, neat stuff. More podcasts like this one would be awesome. Here you go, Brandon. There you go, Brandon. Got another one. Also, I like the hee-haw intro, so yeah. in your face, Dr. J. No, <laughs> no Brandon, actually, uh, you know, Brandon has been a friend for, for many years, and his, um, his knowledge and love of physics uh, in particular... Uh, and astronomy is awesome, and it, and he's really it, it's you got to have people like that, Catholic men and women who really know science and love science, but because um, they they help kind of reveal these things to us as well. That's awesome stuff. Yeah, great job, man. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And see any more week. thoughts, suggestions, insults, comments, whatever, we will take them. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. See you next week. <laughs>